When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Super Bowl week is here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Plenty of news and notes with Nebraska football. Husker hoops back working out. Thank God. As uh, they have been on uh, the quarantine deal for way too long. Hope they're all healthy and ready to go. There could be Nebraska basketball. Should be Nebraska basketball on Saturday against Sparty. I hope Nebraska wins. I know I'm not supposed to root, but I can't wait to rub that in my, my wife and child's face. That's down the road. In the meantime, we have plenty of football to get into. Matt Lubick news for Parker Gabriel. And uh, we are just loaded up. And uh, what I love about Super Bowl week, it allows us to sit down and have that talk about the big game with some of the, the best of the best to participate in it. And the man who won two championships and just retired, Tom Rathman, will join us at 525 tonight. The legendary Husker fullback, legendary 49er fullback, and then, oh yeah, by the way, 22, 23 years of coaching. Some of the best of the best in the NFL at running back with Oakland, two tours with San Francisco, time in Detroit, and uh, wrapped up his career with Frank Wright and uh, some really good backs in Indy. So uh, our Tom Rathman will be with us in about an hour and a half. Charlie McBride next hour, Mondays with Charlie. Get his take on the Super Bowl. And Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Uh, Jay will talk some Super Bowl with us. A lot of Husker flavor. Some comments from Levante David coming up as well. You can join us and dial us up 466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us and follow us on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And email Chris at Hale Varsity. Com. Elijah, how was the weekend? Did you find much to watch this weekend sports-related? It was kind of sparse. Watched a little Celtics-Lakers final quarter of that thing on Saturday night. And uh, a little bit of college basketball here and there. Ohio State Sparty yesterday. But I, I, I am frustrated with this, and I'm not the first to whine about it, and I won't be the last, but... The wife gets charged for HBO, right? Mm-hmm. And we watch HBO through Amazon Prime. But now, like HBO Max or Plus or whatever, I want to watch that new Denzel Washington flick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and like, sweetie, what's your password? Shut up and don't bother. Right? So I, I finally shake out of her, her pass. I don't literally, but I mean, figuratively, like, I keep 
bothering her to get her her password and stuff on her big TV downstairs. I'm like, sweetie, I need, I need to watch this flick. There's no sports on. What am I going to do? <laughs> Shaking, you know. And <laughs> going through withdrawals. Yeah, I am. And and I, I can't connect. So I need someone smarter than me to help walk me through it. That's why you have kids. Yeah, he, he was no help. Yeah, I, I ended up watching a couple 30 for 30s this weekend. Okay. So I, I rewatched, actually I rewatched all of them, I guess. Uh, my roommates have been behind on the other 30 for 30s. I like, you know, that was my middle school and high school years just watching 30 for 30s. It was all great. They came Love out. it. Yeah. So uh, rewatched uh, the U part two. They, they had the U is so one. much fun, man. The U is a good one. Um, the seventh floor crew of the U part two always kills me. <laughs> Olsen. <laughs> With, uh, Greg Olson, G yeah. Reg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we watched uh, You Don't Know Bo. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then. The best that never was. Yeah, Billy about, Sims. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, Dupree. Marcus Dupree. That's a good one. Sorry. Yeah, don't get Switzer cranked up about Dupree. Well, I mean, <laughs> after watching like the, he was the best. He's awesome. Was. Yeah, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was all like Big Eight. Him and Rozier in '82. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, Dupree was phenomenal. And that's just that's. Honestly, I think at the you top imagine of my like list. being out of shape, running for two hundred and fifty yards in the Fiesta Bowl. Well, I mean that's why his just story makes that thirty for thirty, and it's it's probably I think my favorite thirty for thirty they ever produced. Okay, I really am a big fan of that. I one. like the bow. The bow one was. You great. don't know bows also great. That's good. Watch the uh, Gospel According to Mac. Seen that one? That that's, one's really that's good. pretty good. Um, I, I don't. He talks about like. How'd you even get those guys to Nebraska? Look at the mountains here, and that one that one hurt me personally. And I don't think I'm ever going to have to go back well, and watch that. Well, I remember one. watching and talking uh, with Darian Hagen before the the Colorado game two years ago mm-hmm. here, and Darian Hagen. We have that interview still. He's like, "Yeah, man, Mac went straight up gang affiliation card on me. You can't wear red. You can't go to Nebraska and go back to your neighborhood in in South Central LA." And he made a good point. Well, he wasn't wrong. Yeah, with where a lot of the kids in in California and in Switzer like started it with Jamel Holloway. He was a, a South Central LA kid that was an option wizard, and it was between Nebraska and Oklahoma for Jamel Holloway. He won a national championship after a guy named Troy Aikman broke his leg in '85. So, yeah, I mean, you get Steve Taylor from out there, Tommy Frazier, obviously from Florida, but, I mean, Nebraska did well in California, and uh, it was impressive. So, let's dive in and uh, get you the the update on Matt Lubick and, uh, again, Parker Gabriel all over this. And uh, you had an interview on Saturday with Matt Lubick. For the Montana head, the Montana State head football job, he was the top candidate. It was his job to turn down. Do you leave your job as offensive coordinator with Nebraska? You've earned enough trust. You were courted by Scott Frost. You're going to have more of a role in play calling, right? Presumably, I mean, there's the the trust declaration by Scott Frost on Matt Lubick. Do you leave this opportunity to go back home and be a head coach in a spot where your dad's uh, revered and deservedly so, where your other mentor, Dennis Erickson, former 
Miami coach from the U. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, we're talking about this. They, they talked. Uh, you can see like Lubick's uh, picture, his dad. Yeah. On like because uh, he was like the the number two guy, the number two. Well, he was, for the, Miami. he was he was a defensive coordinator under under Eric. Coach, coach Erickson mm-hmm. for all those years, and I think Lubick was the DC under Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's this intertwined. Oh yeah, you're you're you you were with that staff type debt type deal, but anyhow. Uh, when it comes to, to money and uh, what you're you're making in Montana, two hundred and six thousand dollars, and with all the perks and whatnot, maybe you're over three hundred grand. That's my math. Even tells me that's two hundred thousand dollar pay cut in a place where price of living has really, really, really jumped. Uh, in in uh, where where Montana State's at. So, aside from the financials, right? It, it is home. It's a place you're familiar with, and you just guys want to give it a shot as their own man, as their own head coach, as their own program kind of builder, or some guys don't want anything to do with that at all, and they're happy soldiers as part of a staff, okay? And I don't know that Matt Lubick will, will never again be mentioned for a head coaching job. I don't know that Matt Lubick will ever not get sniffed for a head coaching job, but I don't know that a, I don't know that the the quintessential perfect fit like this with family and familiarity and where you grew up and Erickson and your dad. I don't know that that opportunity will ever ever come again. Now, whoever Montana State hires Bless their heart. I hope they make a great hire and football works for them again, okay? So three years down the road, maybe it's open again. I don't know. I'm just saying never say never, but rarely does it line up like this if you want to be a head football coach for Matt Lubick. And when push came to shove, it was his job to turn down. I'm fairly certain of that. And what did he decide? He wanted to stick with Scott Frost. Uh, he wanted to to stay here in Lincoln and uh, do this the right way and, and return for your second season and continue to kind of garner that trust with uh, the play calling duties. And I was I was doing a little look at, at Matt Lubick and I know uh, he was part of, of the uh, the Helfrich staff that got ousted at Oregon, but he was part of a, a longer term at Oregon with Frost, with Chip Kelly, with Helfrich, where they did some phenomenal things. I look at the, 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 the winning they did at Washington because that was the job, and he did a nice enough job to, to get elevated to co-offensive coordinator. And those Husky teams were not far removed from them. The, the 2017 team uh, played in the Fiesta Bowl, narrowly lost to Penn State. They were back in the Fiesta Bowl, narrowly lost in um, I believe it was the the Rose Bowl to Urban Meyer, his last game as a college coach that that 2018 season, and then you had Lubick take the year off. So the guy's really dedicated to his craft. He's had a number of talented wideouts come through his position group that he's coached between Oregon and Washington. So I think you you really have a good guy here. He was a consultant last year, right? Well, before 2020, talking to 2019, he was a consultant. So 
there there is a really good connection between Frost and Lubick, and for Lubick to kind of show his loyalty, that's uh, not something that happens every day. It, it does to a degree, but when you're presented with this type of an, of an opportunity to go home and be a head coach at a once pretty good program in Montana State, usually you jump at that, financials or not. You want to be a head coach or not, and good for Lubick to, to stick you. Good for Nebraska for Lubick to stick here because you've got a room full of guys that you think there's all the talent in the world, okay? Uh, you've got to coach some of those young wide receivers up. And, you know, let's see if, if Nebraska can get some of that Matt Lubick influence with tight ends, with running game. And let's just see if the program can be better because of his decision to stay, not only with centering in on an offensive identity where you're physical and you're powerful and your passing game will be a little bit more in tune this 2021 season, but also for the for the greater growth of your head coach to pay attention to different parts of the football team. This had to happen. Nebraska could have went out and made a phone call to Helfrich or whoever Coach Frost is tight with. Coach Frost knows a lot of good people and really good assistant coaches. But then you get back to the lack of continuity and the one side of the football you need some continuity on, you need some growth on, you need it to be better, is the offensive side. You have an opportunity with that next year to to kind of drill down and become really good at something with the same offensive coordinator. This is a break for Nebraska and a good break for Nebraska. And they've not had a lot of breaks the last three and a half years. Some of them they've made on their own. But this is a good break for Nebraska to get Lubick to stay. And let's see where the offense can kind of evolve into with his influence, with his ability to call some plays. And you discussed the opportunity for him to put his his thumbprint on the uh, the offense next year. And I'm going to take a second and just read way further into this than I probably should and just say if, if this guy had the doom and gloom around the Nebraska offense that some of the fans are feeling right now, it would make sense for him to jump ship right now. Jump ship while your stock's high. That's the, uh, that's the other statement. I mean, you've not been here long enough, and you didn't have as much responsibility uh, as OC as a lot of OCs had because you had split play-calling duties. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you really wasn't all your fault, for lack of a better term, with last year's offense. Now, I I wonder out of the pistol, because to me that's – Something I remember Washington and Oregon doing more so Washington. If I see more pistol and heavy sets and seems created with Nebraska's running game and also the tight end influence with all these tight ends coming to town on top of what you have coming back, that's that screams Lubick. So I don't know that I can go through each series and pick out, oh, Lubick was calling the plays here. I don't know that I can do that, and I think Scott Frost is a really good play caller as well. I just think there needs to be better execution, more consistency, and if if you're killing somebody by pounding the football, keep pounding the football. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty simple. I I think there may be a tendency to get too cute, and if I'm guessing, if I'm guessing, uh, I think. I would lean more towards Frosty getting too cute with his play calling than Lubick. And, and I even lean towards him getting too cute to get the the ball in the hands of these guys like Wandale and Luke that 
I mean, you had a lot of placating going on, didn't you? You just felt those guys can do damage, but I don't like the coaches in in the weekly up to a game saying we want to get the ball to Wandale twenty times this game because that. I mean, the defense can come out and triple team Wandale in a game, and then what are you going to do? Are you going to continue trying to force the ball to Wandale whenever he could be just as good of a decoy? It's really not that hard, is it? I mean. Yeah, we want to get the football to our guy 30 times a game. Make him stop us. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have an, an alternative if they, dare I say, stop you. Okay? Yeah, you don't need to force, field, force feed Wandale, especially whenever he's going over the middle against Big Ten linebackers. Well, you know, it is a, a good sign for Nebraska that you got Lubick here. Agree with you completely from a perception standpoint because it's been full PR last week, you know. Uh, with just, hey, things are okay. Well, it is okay that your your offensive coordinator staying for a second year and turning down a head coaching job. We'll dive into some NFL, some Super Bowl thoughts. Jay Moore's up next. Tom Rathman, an hour away. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run, an NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. You know, I think he might be wearing his dude robe right now as the Big Lebowski intro never disappoints with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Jay Moore, his podcast, more to it. Find him on Twitter at jmore44. Jaybird, did did you get uh, giant boulders in your driveway from one final swipe of uh, snow plowing? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we did. I think uh, I think about Wednesday, Wednesday ish. Yeah. yeah, they finally came through, and it's like after you think you're all done, you're like, damn it! Now I got to go back <laughs> out and scoop off a. You know, a five foot pile that happened to freeze overnight. So, like, you had to like take a shovel to it and break it all apart, then then scoop it. So, yeah. But that needed to get done. Our neighborhood was atrocious. I mean, I got stuck, and I have a four wheel drive SUV one time, so it needed to get done. But yeah, just last Monday, or that was last couple days last mm-hmm. week was just a giant pain. The you know what for a few days. I, I can see you like losing your mind on the the five foot tall, several hundred pound ice boulder, and just going gangster on it like it's some little tight end trying to to chip you on third and eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was it wasn't too happy, especially when uh, it's at about six thirty in the morning, so your wife can get to work, so she can get through. So that's even that's even better. Yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad we're, we're past that anyways and got a little better weather today. Jay, a uh, thought, Matt Lubick, uh, per the Journal Star, is going to be uh, back uh, wearing the headset. Uh, what's that say to you? Um, I, maybe, you know, that Frost is going to kind of loosen up a little bit, loosen up some of his uh, responsibilities and and maybe put his his focus into some other things, but and maybe he has a little more trust in in Matt and what he's able to do. But you know, keeping the staff around, we you've always heard the rumors that you know some guys are unhappy. You always have those rumors every off season. So and so might be going somewhere, or so and so isn't happy. But I think uh, having 
you know, consistent staff here is is very very important. We've that we've never had that. It always seems like someone was leaving. You know, of a, of a full time. You know, obviously we had Dawson that left just a couple of years ago. He's back. I know the analyst got the boots uh, just a, you know about a month ago or a few weeks ago. But again, he was an analyst. So I I like it. I like just keeping everyone together. It's always the same message. You know, lines aren't lines of communication aren't getting crossed. You're not having to have a new guy come in, learn different terminology. So I like it. I like that Frost is able. You know, if he's gonna split play calling duties, maybe he can put some more effort into special teams because that obviously needs a long, long look, and that has to get fixed and and changed to be competitive with the Big Ten. So overall, I'm I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you know of, of staff staying together and he's going to give up some of his duties so hopefully he can focus on uh, some other things how do you envision that that offensive room working now say you have play calling i would say 80 to 90 percent handed off and that's a number i came up with and maybe that's too high of a number but then what i mean it gets down to Lubick with the wide with the wideouts and the OC title, and then Greg Austin correct as the run game coordinator with his offensive line. You know, I mean, how how does how do you anticipate that dynamic working? Because we did see Nebraska at times lean on the run, but it wasn't enough. Part of that might have been injury. Part of my, part of that might have been the running back COVID room. And part of that might have been trying to win a certain way. I mean, there's there's all there's sorts all sorts of questions out there. But can that dynamic be a good thing with Lubick and Austin? Yeah, yeah, I I think it's it's always an interesting dynamic. I mean, you're you're in big time coaching, you know, ball right now, and every coaches have coaches want the responsibility. They want their voices to be heard. They want their game plans, their ideas to be implemented. Um, and you have to find that happy medium always, you know, because what Greg may want to do, it might not suit well with Lubick or, you know, maybe it suits well with Lubick, but Frost doesn't quite like it. And, and first and foremost, it has to, you know, Frost has to kind of okay everything. And, I, you know, I, it's, always a, it's, a, it's always a back and forth battle. And I, you know, I'd like to say this team's finally going to commit to the run, get a run game going. Get your O line, get get more experience. You have, you know, a QB that's going to be playing in as as a fourth year junior coming in this year. You know, you have backs that are young. It's kind of by committee. You know, you can just go down the list of all the young guys they have coming in. You know, whether it's you know Gabe Urban coming in out of Georgia or Sevion Morrison or Marvin Scott. Um, you know, or Al Tompkins. You know, we saw him early in the year, but got kind of banged up. And so you're going to have plenty of guys to, to take the load and then and it's just developing your wide receivers and getting them up to up to par you know we, you lose you don't have Wandell Robinson but you know let's get let's get Alante Brown going let's get hopefully Omar Manning gets his uh, head right and gets things straight now Xavier Betts um, you know you start getting Austin Allen into the mix as a tight end and we saw a bunch so there's 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 talent there the offense is still really really young at the running back wide receiver position. Um, you know, they're getting old that quarterback and O line and that's a good thing. That's when your offense you'd like to think would be able to succeed when you when your oldest guys are, you know, touching your QB's touching the ball every time and the O line's, you know, blocking for the young wide receivers and the young Q B or the excuse me, the wrong running backs and, and giving an older Q B time. So 
hopefully they get, you know, it's just what you got to get them developed. You got to keep them healthy and, and get them bought into certain things. And, but like the dynamics always is always a back and forth battle. You know, every coach wants, wants it uh, their way and, and, and it's in a certain way, but it has to fit with everyone else. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That's, that's just, that's just a, being a family, you know, that's, you know, I, I want some things some certain ways, but I know my wife doesn't. So you have to find that happy medium, you know. So that's that's an everyday battle in uh, whether it's in the Moore household, the Schmidt household, or or up on the second floor. I just nod, my, I just nod my head and just I go earmuffs on myself so I don't I don't hear her. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you just respond. Your hair looks nice, honey, right? Yeah, no, those pants don't make your ass look big at all. <laughs> Jay, through the years at Nebraska, I'm going to get away from Chris and complain about his. I don't want him to get in trouble. Um. <laughs> no, I got asked that yesterday. What do you think of my new joggers? Long, uncomfortable pause. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Moving uh, forward. Jay, through yeah. the years in Nebraska, if you played quarterback at the University of Nebraska, you were no stranger to running the football, and it was no different last year in 2020. A lot of quarterback runs for, uh, for Luke and for Adrian. Um, do you see that as something that Scott Frost wants to, to keep moving forward with it in his offense? Does he want to keep the quarterback running the ball, or is that just a product of what they had to do with the offense last year? I think it'll always be a, what he want, a, a part of the offense. Now, I don't think he wants to have it as much. And I think a lot of the time is, you know, a lot of the runs that end up happening is because, you know, it's a pass pro breaks down or, you know, uh, the wide receivers can't get open, as we saw a lot this year. Or, you know, maybe the wide receivers aren't on the same page with Adrian. And he's just like, hell with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it down and run it. And, and half the time that was – that was really good offense, and sometimes it's good, especially get your some DBs and man-to-man coverage. You can you can break off chunks of chunks of yards uh, against the defense. But I, it's always you have to, you have to have it, especially in the RPO game, the inside-outside zones. You got to keep those DNs and in safeties and, and linebackers honest with their eyes to say, hey, you know, I can, I can keep this and gas you here or or bounce it outside. So yeah, it's always going to be part. Now I don't think he wants it. To, I don't think he wants it twenty plus times like we've kind of seen it here uh, last year. But uh, you know, anywhere from you know eight to twelve runs. Hey, that's I think that's probably the sweet spot of where he wants it. Uh, you know, with Adrian going forward. Jay got a couple of minutes here. Let's switch to the Super Bowl. Uh, how jacked are you for Sunday? And uh, what do you think a couple of keys are here for Tampa to get the win? What do you think uh, it, it needs to happen for, for Kansas City to, to go back-to-back? Back? Are, are you uh, fired up for Sunday? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously I wish, you know, we'd have a full house. It's been it's fun to see, you know, Tampa playing in their home stadium with, you know, 80,000 instead of, you know, 30,000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you look at when they played earlier this year down in Tampa, and I think um, – Tyreek Hill had about 200 yards in the first quarter, so obviously that can't happen again. That they got to do that. I wouldn't imagine that can happen. It would happen again. Uh, I, I think Tampa's going to learn their mistakes and, and do something different. But I just, you know, this is in these big games, you know, and obviously you have a high potent offense in Kansas City, and then you have Tampa Bay's defense, and you know we know the Nebraska guys are on there, but you know there's other linebackers, and I mean they had one of the best defenses in the league all year, so. Can you slow them down? You know, can you limit their possessions? Can you get the ball back into Brady? It'd be interesting to see what uh, Tampa Bay's offensive game plans would be. Are they going to try to, 
you know, own the time of possession, just to keep it out of Kansas City's hands and run the ball and try to milk it a little bit, uh, you know, those type of things. But I, I bet against Brady last week up in Green Bay, and um, I got burned. You know, it's, he's Tom Brady, and it's, he's he's the greatest of all time at that position. Uh, so it's gonna be a battle. You got you got you know the, the greatest of all time going out, and arguably, you know, debatably the his. The second coming with Patrick Mahomes coming right behind him, going for two in a row. It's going to be, it's going to be a battle. It's just you know, it's big time football. It's you know, limiting mistakes, turnovers, making sure special teams don't hurt you, you know, and and just going to see what kind of how the cookie crumbles. And I, I have a, I don't know. I like Tampa Bay for some reason. It's just a little more, you know, being at home, even though I know it's a limited crowd. I know, I and it's just you, you, you had a team that uh, you know beat up on your pretty. Badly earlier in the year, obviously what Tyreek Hill did. I just always think that's hard to do again, uh, a second time. So I, I think Tampa's going to get it done, and I don't even know how many this will be for Tom Brady. I mean, like, seems like about twelve Super Bowls now, or maybe he'd, he'd be 12, seven but. and he'd be seven and three. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's it's going to be hopefully good weather and and a, a good game. That's all we can ask for. But like I said, it's just about you know limiting. You know, mistakes and imagine this to be a close game. I just, I just need the total score to add up to be an odd number because I got some money on that. So that's uh-huh. that's what I'm rooting for. Did that odd number total score? Jay, we're gonna have our Super Bowl picks at the end of the week, and I need some help. Who do you got for Super Bowl MVP? Really quick, about ten seconds. Oh man! If well, if Tampa wins, I'd have to say Tom Brady, right? And if, if Kansas okay. City wins. You know, I'd have to say Mahomes. It's just the guys that touch the ball. But I, if Tampa wins, it's going to be hard to not to give it to Tom Brady unless someone else does something else incredible. Mm. Jay Moore, Black Shirt Husker NFL, or at Jay Moore 44 on Twitter. Uh, the More To It podcast on the Heard At Media platform. Listen to his show. Jay Bird, have a good week. We'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks for the time. Yep, you got it. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some news and notes on Super Bowl Media Day with Tampa. Levante David talking about the Nebraska flavor in the Super Bowl. Two years ago, and Dominican Sue finally got to his first Super Bowl. Did so with the Rams, was teamed up with Aaron Donald, and you had a, uh, another Super Bowl victory for Tom Brady and New England. I think it was 20-3 to over the Rams. Well, you had the trade over the weekend. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, both number one picks. You had Stafford that's done a lot of time and uh, finally uh, broke out of Shawshank, i.e. Detroit. And Goff, who got to the... He's been to the playoffs most of his career. He played hurt. He had pins in his t- in his thumb, for God's sake. And they even got a, a, a playoff win over Seattle uh, to open up the uh, the postseason this year. You've got some general managers that are now on TV, i.e. former general managers, Mike Tannenbaum, calling it a reckless trade. Is quarterback the problem <laughs> for the Rams? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't dislike Goff. I like his mobility. And I like the offense with McVay. Uh, they were a Super Bowl team with Goff once McVay got there. All right. Now, is Stafford an upgrade? Absolutely. 
Is is Stafford have the same mobility? Is, is Goff? No. Stafford is a tough quarterback. Uh, he's been in the league for uh, a long time. But as he was called, Goff is a beautiful mystery. You either get greatness or you get okay. And some teams would kill for okay at quarterback. But the Rams got a window here with as great as their defense is. They said, you know what, we can do better at quarterback. They pulled the trigger on it. Now we heard Aaron Rodgers was off limits. We heard Chicago offered more uh, for uh, an upgrade in their quarterback situation. But uh, overall, does it do much to you? And does it make the Rams a Super Bowl favorite? Listen, if they get their run game going like they did uh, in the in the postseason, uh, with just how well they were able to run out of that one back set with Acres, if he can stay healthy, and he wasn't healthy a lot of this year, that's why he turned it on in the postseason with the receiving crew that they have. I mean, I think the the O line to me is is decent. It's not one of the best in the NFL. It's been about the defense. So, I guess if you're uh, if you're not sold as an owner, as a GM, or as a head coach, then then make this trade. Is it going to be better? It should be better because if we're if we're going apples to apples, I think uh, I think Stafford's a better quarterback. This is a trade to me that makes a lot of sense for both sides. I think it's kind of I mean I don't think either Detroit side needed is, to get younger exactly, and and the Rams needed to get a winner. And the Rams or an arm. An arm talent. Yeah, this is the Rams saying, "Hey, with Aaron Donald on our defense, with Jalen Ramsey on our defense, we our Super Bowl window well, is going to last Peterson about another too. year or two. Yeah, <laughs> they say we don't have much longer in our, our Super Bowl window. Whereas Goff, he could go, let's say, be on a good team in ten years and make a run with them. But they wanted to make the run now. Goff, I don't think was ready for it. You saw it in the Super Bowl two years ago. He couldn't read that Patriots defense very well uh, pre-snap once uh, once McBay was out. You of know the what year. happened with that, don't you? With yeah, the, the Patriots running down the play clock and not allowing uh, McVay to be in. Yeah, Goff's after year. 15 seconds, they they switched defensively. Yeah, yeah, and and you can see the issues that Goff had. So I can see why the Rams wanted to upgrade at quarterback and say, hey, we want to win now. We want a Super Bowl next year. The year after that, we want to be contenders now. Got to get Goff out of here. And they're no strangers to trading away first-round picks. No, uh, they, they aren't. Have you seen the stat? From 2017 to 2023, no first-round picks. They've traded them all away. Their last first-round pick was Jared Goff in 2016. And they won't have another first-round pick until 2024 now. And that's okay. They're, they've still built a contender with it. So I think this is this fits exactly what I think the the Rams do. What their GM, uh, his name slips me, uh, but what he does, it, it makes sense for him. It's on brand for him and for the Lions. Get some talent, get some first round picks, and get a quarterback that can at least get you some some wins until you can get some talent built up around him. Peterson's in Baltimore, but he was for a time the old Chiefs draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the corner, but yeah, the Rams D is filthy. I like Acres with their run game. I think he's going to be a really nice back. Like him a lot. And, yeah, I mean, with Goff, you've got Cooper Cup, uh, Woods, and, and Higby. And maybe they pick up something along the way to, to bolster the receiving core. This can work out. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the Rams just aren't afraid to, to cut the shake it up to cut the guys that aren't cut, doing the job for them. They cut Todd Gurley. They've traded away Jared Goff. If, if the guy's not performing the, the Super Bowl standard that they're looking for right now, 
Let him go, and that's what the Rams do. Well, let's just hope Stafford's got some gas left in the tank. And I think he'll feel rejuvenated, re-energized. And you've always just seen him take the brunt of a lot of bad teams. Tough, tough quarterback, good arm talent, former number one pick overall. Uh, this change of scenery is a good thing. Levante David and Dominican Sue Khalil Davis, uh, the, the 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 black shirt bond, right? And all three going to be ready to rock on Sunday. Uh, here is Levante David. Today was asked about uh, the Nebraska connection and how uh, the camaraderie is with all three. And you know, Levante and Sue just missed each other at Nebraska. They've been teamed up for a second year now in Tampa. That's one of the storylines we're excited about here in Nebraska to see what Sue can do as he's towards the tail end of his career. Levante just turned 31. He's been great for a long time. Khalil Davis, hey, I'm, I'm a rookie and I'm, I'm in the Super Bowl. Here's Levante David. Obviously, me and Sue, you know, being the older guys and me being missing Sue from about uh, missing Sue for a year, you know, um, not being able to play with him. You know, was was a year apart. So, um, you know, we talk about that. You know, we mess around with him like that. And, uh, you know, he told me uh, before, like, uh, if you would have played with me, you would have been a first-round pick. And I said, if I would play, if you would have played with me, you would have been number one overall pick. You know, we just joke around and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, we, we I mean, we talk about times with Nebraska and then just – uh, Khalil being a young guy, we always just joke on him, you know, uh, joke on him about certain things. And, um, you know, uh, he in the room with Sue, so Sue gave him a hard time a lot, but uh, just because he's a rookie. But, um, it's definitely a, a good feeling, you know, to have guys who, uh, play at a, a historic program like Nebraska, be on the same team and be able to play in a Super Bowl. So when it comes to the, the, the branding, and Nebraska does an amazing job as a football program to uh, to to promote the the pro big red angle on things because Nebraska needs to be proud of that needs to advertise it because that right now is what is the most sellable. There's still some some remnants of of Frost and his success, obviously at Central Florida, but uh, kids that are trying to make a decision on college. They 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 may remember Sue. They may remember Levante. You got to hammer that. Khalil Davis is uh, a recent graduate and draft pick that was good enough to make a Tampa team. And then you got uh, the general manager Jason Light. That Coach McBride had a really cool story about uh, uh, Jason Light last Monday on this uh, on this show. So I'm I'm interested to see if Nebraska can't get that social media machine cranked up during Super Bowl Sunday. It'd be really awesome for... I mean, Sue still has left his mark uh, at Nebraska for Nebraska. And he's done it at such a high level. Same with Levante. We'll wind down Hour 1. Tom Rathman, you want to talk Huskers in the Super Bowl? He's coming up at 525 on Hale Varsity. And now... And now... Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Var City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we gear up for uh, Super Bowl week. Loaded week of guests. We got things kicked off last week with Sam Cook and Russ Hochstein. We'll be talking with Eric Warfield, longtime chief and patriot. Uh, later in the week, Danny Woodhead this week. Grant, Grant Wistrom will be with us this week. Uh, of course, signing day, sort of, kind of, on Wednesday. Greg Smith will have uh, a uh, kind of a recap on the class. 
and uh, it's really cool to uh, to spend time here in about uh, 30 minutes or so with Tom Rathman. Won two championships with San Francisco, part of that Nebraska backfield. He and Roger Craig, both just incredible backs. You want to talk about promotion and advertising, uh, your brand, your school, that every time John Madden would go boom on a Monday night or Sunday afternoon, it'd be about that Nebraska backfield when he was calling a big game for the 49ers uh, with him and Pat Summerall. Reminding you about uh, West Blue Realty. They are uh, the real estate professionals you need to search out, you need to call when it comes to uh, finding that beautiful home, either the uh, residential part of Lincoln or surrounding communities. West Blue Realty makes it happen for you. You mentioned Hale Varsity, up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. When you call Tom Luby at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider at 402 402- 202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. And log on, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment on the books to go see Tom or go see Kelly or see them both, right? I mean, just make it happen. And they're located 1120 K Street, Suite 200 uh, in, uh, in Lincoln. If you have some agricultural land, uh, they can help uh, move some of that as well. They're experienced in selling Agland, they have their own auctioneer. They can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings. They've sold land all over the great state of Nebraska, Seward, Oto, Lancaster County. They can handle a large radius. Again, westbluerealty.com. So, we will talk with Charlie McBride. Anxious to get his take. Coach McBride was really good at messing with your best quarterback. Ask Peyton Manning how that went. Uh, just as an example. So what do you do uh, if you're trying to D up Tom Brady and all his weapons? What the heck do you do if you're trying to put um, a muzzle on Mahomes and their offense? And, and this is a, a very fair question to ponder. As good as Tariq Hill and Kelsey have been, and as good as they were against Tampa midway through this season, they're playing at a higher level now. And we look, you just run down the list that leading receivers, yards, and touchdowns in the NFL postseason. Guess who's number one? Guess who's number two? I mean, it's Kelsey and Hill. It's Hill and Kelsey. And if you take both of them away, a guy that they can dust off and screw you up, up with from a matchup standpoint, Le'Veon Bell, or they can hammer it away with Clyde. I'm interested on the offensive line, though, because the Chiefs have had to play with backups a lot of the season on the offensive line. And I also kind of feel like in the back of my head, this is that big game where a guy like Sue, even at his age, could could own it. And he took over the NFC Championship game against New Orleans in a Texas Big 12 Championship type of game. Sue has one more of those in him. It could be on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Coach McBride's next hour two with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Thanks for spending time. Hour two at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. It is Super Bowl week. Of course, you'll hear the game here on ESPN Lincoln, and some of our affiliates will have coverage. And uh, we'll talk with Tom Rathman in 30 minutes as uh, he spent three decades in the NFL. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself, Mondays with Charlie. We say hi to Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, how was your weekend? How you doing? It was great. Watched the snow fall. Felt kind of good, really. And shoveled a little snow. And, uh, you know, they you shovel your driveway, and then they plow it back up again. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we addressed that earlier. Uh, I was talking to Jay Moore, and he had to move uh, some giant snow boulders out of his driveway for his wife. And... I just kind of ran over a couple uh, begrudgingly to, to get out of my drive. But, yeah, you're right about the uh, the scoop and then the the the, uh, the return. <laughs> well, I do it the other way. I just throw it right back in the street. <laughs> I love that because that isn't illegal or anything. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Coach, have you uh, ever been to a Super Bowl in person? Yes, I went to one. Okay, which <laughs> well, actually, uh, which I one was? To, it? I went was I went to the Cardinals and the Steelers. Okay. I don't remember the number. And um, that's when uh, Ralph Brown was playing for the Cardinals. Yes, and uh, we got our tickets from Ralph, and my son and I went down to Tampa, and they played there at Tampa, and of course lost in one of the last in the last minute of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were up. They were up, but then the Steelers scored uh, with a minute, and I think they got the ball with about a minute and forty seconds left, forty-three or mm-hmm. seven or something like that, and took it right down there. And, and the guy made an unbelievable catch in the back corner of the end zone, and uh, you know they were covered, but the guy just made an unbelievable throw and catch, and that was it. And Steelers won. No, that was one of the the better Super Bowls, back and forth between Warner and and Roethlisberger. That was a great game. Yeah, the interesting thing about that game was I was sitting next to a Steeler fan, and he 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 wanted to leave because the, the Cardinals had just scored and went ahead with a minute and something left, and then you know minute and forty seconds, like I said, and. And I said, where are you going? He says, I, I give, I'm not, you know, he was all shook up. And I said, sit down. You know, I said, you give up on your team. You came all the way down here and you give up. I said, sit down. I said, the, the game is nowhere till the fat lady sings. And, of course, then they scored. And I said, see, I told you. The guy looked at me like, this guy's a wizard or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've been through a few of them. Eh? You just say, "Yeah, I, I, I know, I know the game a little bit, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And I, the thing that bothers me in all the games I see on TV, pros, college, you know, kids get ahead with two minutes or a minute and a half left, and they're they're all jumping around each other, and I'm sitting over there thinking, if I was a coach, I'd be over throwing up. You know, I mean, you got exactly. to. You know, it. You know, you you just can't do that. And I've seen it happen where they were cheering and yelling and jumping up and down, and then they lost. Mm. And uh, you know, I mean, that's 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 embarrassing. Now, <laughs> what what you there, there's so many final moments in your career where your defense 
had to close it out. More times than not, you were able to close it out. But were you? Did you say anything to guys? Do you remember moments like that where it's kind of on you? The offense just got you. Well, got you a score you always, with a couple minutes. You know, yeah, we had we had a stretch in college football. If you remember, where uh, some of the teams guys were taking their pads off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I caught one of them trying to take their pads off, and that ended that stuff in about two seconds. But that 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 was the, that was one of the points. You know, from that point on, I really you know and and talked to them about, hey, listen, you know, it's not over till it's over. And uh, you know, I think we didn't have any problem with that. I think there was always kind of a. Uh, you know, coaches are always, you know, nervous about something like that happening because it's, you know, it's really an embarrassing situation you get yourself into when when you get beat like that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think I don't remember us having a problem with it. I, I think they they played all the way, mm-hmm. you know. And if we were ahead, the thing that you know you didn't worry about it as much. Uh, I mean, I we've been ahead by touch, enough touchdowns where our, our our young guys that went into the game later, who really actually half of them probably didn't even practice with us, you know, playing our base defense, and you know they scored a couple touchdowns on us, and you know, I mean, that's you got to make the mothers happy, or you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, what would you do defensively? Uh, to try and slow down Kansas City, and what would you do defensively to try and slow down Tampa when you look at both of these teams? Well, both of them, you got to get to the quarterback somehow, and you got to make make them nervous and make them make bad throws. That you know, football is so much of an offensive passing game, uh, you know, and and of course, still you go back to the first thing you stress with your players is stop the run because mm-hmm. they they don't need to throw it if they can run. You know, and uh, that that also takes up a lot of time on the clock, and so you you have to just you know you, you have to go by your your pressures have to come off of what kind of quarterback you're playing against, and uh, you know if you're a drop back guy you know where he's going to be, and you can you know you can adjust your pressure defenses to to, to really force the pocket. And a lot of times, some guys aren't very good when they're out of the pocket. Some guys are better when they're out of the pocket. And those are the guys you worry about, you know, that, that are drop-back guys. But when they get out of the pocket, they can still, you know, get you beat. And, um, you know, those are the kind of kids you're kind of looking for, you know, when you're in your recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it depends on what kind. Do you want to run first, pass second quarterback, or do you want to pass first, run second quarterback? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of what you have to decide as an offensive coach, I think. So that's that's the way we set it up. The guys that are hard are the guys that had two quarterbacks, and one did one thing. And I remember we played LSU way back when I was at Wisconsin, and they had Burt Jones, who was a super quarterback. I mean, I thought he was to me. He's still the best quarterback I've seen on the field, and accurate and. You know, playing against him, and then they had a kid named Lyons, who was an option guy. Yeah. So, you know, you had, uh, but but Jones could throw the ball out of the pocket, but you knew you were going to get some option play. So that took up time in your practice to, to play mm-hmm. against the option, and that's what you really don't want to do if you don't have to. I mean, play both types of offense. 
What's your what's your thought here on on just that Chiefs offense with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Mahomes? And Mahomes is one of those guys you're talking about that's really good uh-huh. in the pocket. Mahomes is really good out of the pocket. He's just a wizard. But you look at all that that help he has around him. I mean, you got some great great players, and then you got a, a really smart offensive setup with with uh, Bieniemy and, and for sure Andy Reid. I mean, it seems like there right. there is. They're as fun and as talented as there is in, with, an, with an offense because they're so explosive. Well, Andy Reid has been one of the most innovative guys, uh, and, and able, not only that, but he's, a, he's able to adjust quick. Okay. You know, and I think that's, a, that's where the enemy is going to be a good head coach because he's, he's with a guy that, you know, doesn't wait till halftime to say, well, we have to do this now and do that now. I mean, he can adjust in the next series, hmm. you know, his pass, his passing attack. And, 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 of course, the blocking part of it, you know, the linemen have done enough work against different sets and stuff. It's, they, can, they can change their blocking, you know, almost – well, they do on their own. I mean, when they're out there and they get a set, they have calls and they have things they say to each other that changes the blocking scheme. Uh, when the back's involved in the blocking scheme, it is a little different. You'll see some hand stuff, and once in a while you'll see a guy put his hand back maybe behind his hip or something mm-hmm. you know, like that. Uh, you know, some teams don't even do that. They just let the back read it. I remember our, our hardest position, and you can talk to Tom about this when you talk to him tonight, was our fullback position because they had to adjust on the move. They didn't hear the set. They didn't hear what the set what was going on, and they had to read the blocking scheme uh, as they go into the line of scrimmage uh, when they're blocking somebody. You know, um, if if t- people went down, they might have had to bounce out and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And uh, he can tell you that better than me. But but they but in the in our offense when we played there, I think our fullback position was really. A, I mean, it was a it was a tough position to play in. And you had to really learn the, the, you know, the ins and outs of it. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, I want to switch gears and, and get your thoughts. Matt Lubick has decided to stay at Nebraska. He was up for the head job at Montana State. But Coach Frost will have Lubick, who's going to have more play-calling duties this upcoming season. What's that uh, What's that? say to you what's that mean to you what's it what's it mean for the offense moving forward well i think you know that you're going to have two heads are better than one anyway you know i mean it's, it works that way I, I i remember how much tom depended on the guys up in the press mm-hmm. box uh, you know when uh milt was our uh, milt Jennifer was in the box and and when i know when frank was here that you know that was both of them were upstairs so that was a little double duty on them um you know, and I had Tony Samuel up in the press box that Tony would say, run this defense, or George would say, hey, run this, run this. You know, sometimes I'd just stand there and they'd say, run this, <laughs> before I even call the defense. <laughs> you know? So, it, you know, I mean, that's the way you work together. I mean, that, that I, you know, I, I really believed in them because George knew the passing game. Yeah. Tony knew the running game pretty, pretty good. I mean, he knew the outside stuff, and I knew the inside stuff. And we all kind of, you know, you kind of work together in the game as to what's good, you know, what what's working the best. Well, if those guys have studied 
their passing game or their outside run and so forth, you know, you can you, you have to depend on them. I mean, you know, and if you trust them, which I did, uh, that's you know that's kind of how you do it. I mean, you 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 got to you know, like I said, I keep telling the people. You know, yeah, I'm the coordinator, but you know, it takes we have four heads over there that are sure. probably better than one head, and 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 so we we are able to really work together well, and we didn't have a lot of changes. Coach, uh, last thought here before we say goodbye, and it's been awesome to chat Super Bowl in Nebraska with you. What does it do for the Nebraska football brand? When you have a guy like Sue and David and Davis and even Jason Light, I mean, Nebraska's been sending kids to the Super Bowl for a lot of years. I know that streak got snapped uh, last season, but what does it do for the program when you got guys from Nebraska in the Super Bowl, it seems like, every year? Well, you know, I, I still, you know, once in a while run across Pro Scouts, and Nebraska still has a name. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska, you know, they haven't lost, you know, they and they're all just sitting there waiting for us to blow up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, to get better and get better, and, you know, they don't seem to worry about it, some of them. You know, they say they'll be back, they'll be back, and, and of course, that's what fans are waiting for, and, and I think, you know, it just it's a matter of time, and it's a matter of getting the right group of kids together, that really want to get the job done, and then they do it. And, you know, coaches can line them up, and they can run the play, tell them the play, but they got to run it. Mm-hmm. And they got to catch the ball, and they got to hold on to it and protect it, and they got a lot of things they have to do. But, uh, you know, I think it's all – a lot of it depends on what kind of team they want to have and depend on – and, you know, and, and, and re- they're responsible. You know, you hear the word play for each other. Well, mm-hmm. they're responsible to each other, you know, that they do the right things. And, and some guys are such good players, they're able to make up for a lot of uh, mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, especially linebackers. You know, linebackers are really instinctive guys. They they sometimes go against the rules and make the tackle, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> you know, you're sitting there saying, well, that wasn't very good technique, but it sure was a nice tackle. <laughs> I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, Levante, David, and Sue because they've been playing, right. playing a long time to try and get here. Well, the thing is, is both of those guys deserve what they're getting because they're the hardest, they're hard workers every play. You won't see them. Loafing, you won't see anything. And I, I thought I, I remember telling Sue one time when he was a junior going into his senior year. I said, I said, I promise you one thing: don't ever take a loaf out there. Don't whatever you do, don't ever take a loaf. You know, and 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 because that's going to cost you. I mean, you know, and you know, you never see him do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he'll have two guys on him a lot of times. A lot of teams will put two on him, and. Uh, but still, he comes up with a you know a, a good number for an inside guy making sacks. Usually, oh, yeah. they're dependent on getting the push. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Get you some chicken wings. Get you some I pizza. Will. And uh, <laughs> I don't know about the pizza, but I'm going to do the wings. <laughs> well, good. I will. We'll talk next Monday. I'm going to do wings. You're okay. going to do wings, and we'll. We'll trade wing specialties, Good. okay? Okay. I'm looking forward to it. You take care. Good Thanks to talk. Thanks uh-huh. Okay. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. We're all doing wings. Coach McBride's doing wings. We're going to do wings. Coach Barnett's doing wings. 
uh, Tom Rathman's used to playing on Super Bowl Sunday. We'll hear from the Husker legend and uh, 49er Hall of Famer next, Tom Rathman. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to Coach McBride, our Mondays with Charlie segment. Let's talk to a man who's won two Super Bowls, and we're talking three decades in the NFL, now retiring uh, the pride of Grand Island, Tom Rathman with us. Coach, congratulations on an amazing career. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, and uh, thank you. So, have you had a chance to, to reflect? Uh, I know you, you retired last Thursday, but has it sunk in that finally after this many years, this many lives affected, uh, you're, uh, you're hanging them up? Well, it's, it's kind of hard, but at the same time, it's not. You know, I've been doing it a long time and, you know, felt like, uh, you know, I've given the game everything that I have to be able to go to Indianapolis. And coach three years and, you know, probably may have been some of my finest years, the last three, to be honest with you, uh, developing those guys there. And uh, it was just awesome to start with the 49ers and end, the, end up with the Indianapolis Colts. It's a tremendous road. Tom Rathman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, and, and I, I've kind of done some research on, on a number of guys that, that you've coached and there's a lot of folks that are, are sending out uh, thank yous to you, either in releases or statements or social media. But one guy I've, I've respected, not only for his longevity, but for his ability, is, is, is Frank Gore. And tell us a little, about, a, a little bit about your relationship with Frank Gore, because he couldn't have enough nice things to say about you, deservedly so. Well, my, my relationship continues on. And I don't think it'll ever stop, you know. Really, my approach to this game as far as a coach is to treat uh, every student that sits in a seat uh, like they were my child and uh, expect uh, what my, I expect out of my children, you know, on and off the field. So, I mean, that's where it all starts. So that, that's my approach to the game as a coach is I want to treat all these kids as my kids, you know, and develop that relationship so you can get that bond. So you have that bond of trust. And then at the same time, when you have that bond of trust, then you have this fulfillment of, hey, I want to make that guy happy, make him proud of me. And that is exactly what Frank Gore was, right? Um, uh, just, you know, just from the day I got there and I started working with him in 2009 uh, till we ended, I think it was in uh, 2014, uh, tremendous career, right? You talk about a tremendous football player. Wow. This guy, and, you know, I always look at, at, at football players, uh, the great football players, the all-around football players, the complete football players, I always look at them on, what do you do when you don't have a football? I mean, because everybody that has a football, you have the talent, you have traits, certain traits, you're going to excel when the ball's in your hand, one way or another. But it's when you don't have the football, what type of player are you? Do you work through the football? Do you get involved with the play? 
good things happen when that when when you get players doing that, and that's exactly what Frank Gore was. There was nobody playing at a higher level than Frank Gore from really 2011 to 2014. There was not another running back that was playing at the level that he was playing at. When you talk about when he had the football and when he didn't have the football, uh, that's you know that's adding on downfield as a blocker. That's pass pro by dynamic pass blocker, but great all-around football player. Tom Rathman's with us. Coach, uh, take us back to to your time, uh, you know, at at Nebraska and what you were able to to learn, and then. Also, your, your time in San Francisco where you guys were, were in the NFC Championship or winning a Super Bowl. I mean, that's kind of the, mm-hmm. the ceiling you guys were headed towards a year in, year out. Well, it was kind of the standard. But I think uh, really standards all started probably back in high school, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I was uh, playing football for Ken Fisher. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows uh, Cleet Fisher, who was an offensive line coach for uh, the Huskers. Uh, for a long period of time, and uh, his brother Ken Fisher was my high school coach. Probably learned a lot of standards, you know, what it was to play at a high level, to play consistent football, um, hit them before they hit you, all the things that I coach now, or I did coach. Uh, you know, those are things that I learned at a young age, you know, playing for Ken Fisher. And then having the opportunity, not only playing for Ken Fisher, at Grand Island and winning a, a state championship our sophomore year, but going to Nebraska on a scholarship. Uh, I mean, that, as as a kid that grows up in Nebraska, I mean, back in the 80s, man, that's all I wanted to do. That's all any kid wanted to do was get a scholarship and have an opportunity to go play at Nebraska and uh, play for Coach Tom Osborne, you know, a legend in his, his own right. But... Uh, I uh, got the opportunity and just, you know, you know, I struggled a little bit through going through, uh, you know, put the ball on the ground a few times my sophomore year. And, you know, I think I ended up losing my starting job later in the season, my uh, sophomore year, or my junior year. And then uh, uh, to play with all the great football players that uh, went through that system, you know, I mean, it was tremendous. I think more than anything, it was just the basic standards. You know, how you carried yourself and uh, how, what was your approach to the game of football. And uh, I learned at a young age that the attack, attacking style, and a lot of that came from Mike Corgan. Mm-hmm. We all remember Mike Corgan, uh, the running back coach at uh, UNL. But uh, just that type of philosophy, attack, hit them before they hit you, take the game to them, makes it a little bit easier. I mean, those are all the things, the basic fundamentals of the game is basically what you learn uh, going through college. Tom Rathman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, a phenomenal career in the NFL, 31 years, player and coach, retired last week. You mentioned Roger, and so many of us kids grew up watching as John Madden would put it on Monday night or on Sunday afternoon, that Nebraska backfield. I mean, the amount of pub mm-hmm. Nebraska got and every kid trying to talk his folks into letting him stay up and watch San Francisco. Let me see the third quarter, Mom and Dad. You know, just let me, you know. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was really uh, fun for so many of us in the state to watch you and Roger do your thing at an incredible level. But uh, that that friendship and 
and and being teammates, not only in Lincoln, and I think you guys crossed over, correct, in Lincoln? Yeah, we did. That's, that's I what was I there, thought. Uh, my freshman year, his senior year. That's what I thought. So, you so know, from they kinda, like, they got, some, of the, some of the seniors kind of took me under their wing. Uh-huh. You know, they found out, hey, this guy can potentially play. Hey, you can hang with us. Well, that, how, <laughs> that type of deal. How was that? I mean, who, who took you under? Uh, under uh, uh, Roger, way? Roger, and Jamie Williams. Really, those two guys right there. Yeah, and lo and behold, both those guys. You know, Jamie was on the Forty Nine ers too for one of those Super Bowl teams. And not only Jamie, but Doug DeBose was on the football team too. So you really had four Huskers on the same team at the same time. Uh, when we won the Super Bowl, so, but I mean, just to be able to mess up with Roger at the at the professional level, and, and not only the professional level, but to be able to come into a system, one of the greatest coaches of all time, you know, Bill Walsh, right, coming in here and uh, getting thrust into the starting alignment alignment uh, uh, on my second year. And, and then trying to capitalize on just really giving the opportunity. I mean, I really appreciate that from Bill. Mm-hmm. Him understanding, you know, understanding a game that, hey, maybe we do need to play with a fullback. Because I, I know at that time, when I first came in the league in 86, I mean, they were starting to phase out the fullback a little bit. Uh, going to a single back or they were going to the two tight end of formations using that H-back. Uh, but I mean, that was kind of what the league was when I first got was coming in the league. So, uh, but uh, you know, we resurrected it. Bill put me in as a starter, and shoot, I think we went. I don't know what we were before that, but I know we went to number one in, in rushing. So, but it was great. It was great to be able to play with Roger in the same backfield. No question about it. Tom Rathman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, and Tom, my uncle, not a 49ers fan, not a Nebraska fan, but he always told me about those uh, those San Francisco 49ers teams with you and Roger Craig because he loved watching you two play. Um, but for how long you were in and around the game, um, you must have had just a love for the sport of football. So I, I want to ask you, wh- where did that love of football develop? Was it in your youth? Was it at Nebraska? Well, I obviously growing up in Nebraska. You know, like I said earlier, every kid in the state wanted to play for the university. Nebraska, and I think that's where you, where it all started. And then getting the opportunity to do what you always dreamt about, you know, as a young kid playing for Nebraska. I mean, I didn't uh, really see myself as a pro football player at that time when I was a young kid. You know, running around in the front yard, stiff arming my younger brother and the neighbors. You know, <laughs> stiff arming. I, I mean, I didn't really have aspirations. I mean, I was Chuck Foreman. You know, for Minnesota Vikings back then, you know, with all the moves, the shake and bake. So that was me running around in the front yard uh, playing against the kids on the block. But, um, you know, just to be able to uh, take it to the next level, you know, uh, is really what it's all about. You know, I, I had some success, you know, my senior year. You know, I, st- I think that uh, 881 yards on 118 carries. I think it was a 7.5 per carry. I got to memorize, yeah. That's so, good. <laughs> that's what we got my senior year rushing. So I think it's a still a fullback uh, rushing record, single season rushing record. So had some really you know big plays, long runs uh, that senior year, and you know got the opportunity to uh, you know as a third round draft pick, pick 56, going to San Francisco and extending my career. So as a player. 
you know, you just keep playing at the next level and you hope that you can play at the next level because when you ultimately get to the highest level, that's when you reap the benefits, all right, uh, as far as, uh, you know, an income. So, but that's what it was, uh, the love of the game and getting paid for doing what you love to do. And then when my career ended, like everybody's career will end as a player, you got to realize it, you know, you figure out what you want to do. Well, I mean, I was kind of a player coach when I was playing. So, I mean, I kind of considered myself a coach when I was playing the game. You know, just thinking big picture stuff, getting everybody in the right spot and just confirming. And that's really all it was, was confirmation. You know, just communicating in the backfield. But, um, you know, just having the big picture knowledge. And uh, obviously loved, you know, helping others succeed. And, and that's the reason why I got into coaching is because I loved the game. I loved teaching guys how to play the game and giving those tools, that, that skill set, uh, that takes them to the next level. So we always try to climb levels. I'm taking it to the next level. And hopefully I can truly say that every player that I coach, I help them get to the next level or maybe that two levels higher than what they were. But uh, we're always, you know, working for perfection, you know, in our room. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just strive for it. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Tom Rathman's with us, uh, standout uh, Husker and 49er, and uh, three decades in the NFL, retiring from the NFL, longtime running back coach with the Niners and Lions and Raiders, and just finished a great three-year stint with the Colts. He's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Tom, uh, a thought with your experience in the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see Tampa Bay. We'll see Kansas City on Sunday. And uh, you won uh, championships back-to-back. Uh, you beat Cincinnati. You beat Denver. Were you able to soak in the experience or was it kind of a blur because of how locked in you were? Tight, tight, great ball game against the Bengals with the two-minute drill uh, and Joe Montana yeah. to Taylor and then mm-hmm. kind of a blowout uh, against Elway in Denver. What was the experience like for you to, to win the ultimate prize both times? Well, I'll tell you, the, you know, the second one was a little bit uh, uh, funner, you know, only because I think we were up 27 to 3 at halftime, so yeah. we were pretty much in control, and we knew that at the time going into halftime that we were in pretty good shape. So to be able to go with that extended locker room time because of the halftime performance, uh, I mean, it was awesome to be able to go in halftime and enjoy yourself. And uh, I'm not saying that we were overconfident, but, I mean, we felt like we had that game in control and we just let it rip in the second half, ended up winning 55-10. to 10. So, I mean, that was a little bit easier than the first one. The first one, believe it or not, I think maybe the second series of the game, we were running, I think it was a 69 handoff where Rodgers got the ball and we were running around the left edge. I threw a cut block on the outside linebacker. I jammed my shoulder in the toilet and, and separated it. Right, so uh, unbelievable, and this is after the fact on the opening kickoff of that game. I'm sitting back there in the wedge, and I I just got this this defender is coming downfield. I square him up, put him right on his back, strike him, put him right on his back, 
get the worst pinch nerve I ever had. You know, and I had a lot of pinch nerves in, in pro football. So uh, just a stinger on that first play, the opening kickoff of the, of, of the game. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't go out of the game. I'm, I'm not going to go to the, out, out of the game. It's a Super Bowl. So <laughs> I sucked it up. And then uh, obviously that second drive ended up hurting my shoulder. So I played that whole game hurt, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, to be able to capitalize on that game, was uh, outstanding, you know, being the first time that I was in a Super Bowl, um, outstanding. And to be able to get in a huddle with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, uh, John Frank, players like that, and you've got three minutes left, and you're in a two-minute operation, and you've got 80-some yards to go, uh, and you need a touchdown to win the football game, uh, putting it all on the line right there the whole season, right there on that one drive, and to be able to you know, trickulate down the football field gradually with the Joe Montana, you know, throwing it to Jerry Rice, checking it down to Ryan Clinton. And you know something opportunity to score down at that last play with JT was unbelievable. So uh, to be able to capitalize on that, I mean that says it all right there. I mean that's euphoria uh, right there as far as uh, feeling the greatest that you could as a football player when you reach that top of the mountain. Uh, it's so hard to get there. It's so hard to get there. And to be able to say that you can actually, you actually did it, uh, was really special. Separated shoulder, pinched nerve, didn't miss a snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, th- that's impressive, and that that just kind of defines the love of the game. Tom Rathman's yeah. with us on Hale Varsity, uh, Coach. It's been so awesome over the years to catch up with you, and we're excited for what's next for you. Enjoy retirement. What do you think of Sunday with the Chiefs and the Bucks? There's uh, three Nebraska kids on Tampa with Sue and, and Levante and uh, Khalil Davis, mm-hmm. and then Jason Light, the GM for Tampa, is a Fremont guy. So there's yeah. Nebraska flavor. The Chiefs. Yeah, I, I actually talked. I actually talked to him when we played them. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think a year ago we played them. Yeah. So, but I talked to him. So, but I, I'll tell you what, uh, it's going to be a tough game. You know, obviously Kansas City won it last year, so they're trying to repeat. And uh, you know, they've had they've had the best record throughout the season. But uh, you know, my wife is downstairs, and uh, she says. Never bet against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a San Mateo kid. Yeah. So he's right in this area here. His best friend lives three doors down. Really? In high school, his best friend lived three doors down. So I knew Tommy when he was in high school. Really? Uh, I, I, I can remember uh, him painting my, young, my oldest daughter's toenails uh, at, at uh, uh, Clear Lake. Uh, so... Uh, I'm a a Tom Brady fan, to be honest with you. But uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's going to be the team that has the most discipline, obviously. I mean, you can't turn the football over because there's a direct correlation between winning and losing with the turnover ratio. And you just got to capitalize on your uh, opportunities. Uh, against Kansas City, you got to score touchdowns. You can't you can't kick field goals if you're going to beat those guys because they're so explosive. They have so many weapons on offense. They're going to put up points. So um, you got to be thinking. You got to be putting up thirty some points, mm-hmm. all right? And if you're going to win that football game, uh, to be realistic, so you got to have touchdowns. And it's just playing good fundamental football. I mean, that's really what every football game comes down to. It comes down to good fundamental football, taking care of the football, 
understanding situational play, excelling at that situational play, and just play good fundamentals. I mean, you do that, and, and that gives you a great chance to win a football game. You know, with Tom Brady painting toenails uh, many, many years mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So you were, you were kind of sure he's better at football than, than toenail painting? Or was he, was he good at toenail painting? Well, he wasn't bad at toenail painting. You know what I'm saying? I think he stayed pretty much in the lines. Yeah. Well, the line. yeah. <laughs> well, knowing his, like, just talking to enough people about his personality, he's probably pretty zeroed in on it. The only disappointing thing is I think he picked out the color pink. Uh. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with pink. That was no. the color of my wedding. No, I know. Right. You just say, yeah, that color will do. Whatever you want, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Rathman's with us. Tom, we'll, we'll do this again. It was fun to chat with you, and congrats on, on your career, sir. Okay, thanks. Thanks okay. for having me. The old fullback, man. Good good on him. And small world, uh, we, we know Tom Brady's from Northern California. We didn't know that Tom Brady's best friend in high school was three doors down from the Rathmans. And we didn't know until now that Tom Brady would paint uh, – the toenails of Tom Rathman's oldest daughter. Kind of interesting to think about, like, Tom Brady as a kid. Like, I'm just like, imagine, like, he's probably, like, looking up to this Tom Rathman dude. Like, well, wow, that dude's in the NFL. I want to be in the NFL. And now he has so far surpassed Tom Rathman in name. Not that Tom Rathman's, like... Tom, well, the, the point of it is, is, I mean, think about this. Like, the, the, the you know, the kid down the, the, the street wants to go see training camp. He's bringing his buddy Tom with him to watch... Rathman and crew do it. And you, you fast forward years later, Rathman spent 31 years in the NFL. Tom Brady's now going to play past 45, says he. He's going for a seventh Super Bowl. He's been in it 10 times. And he grew up going to 40. He grew up watching Rathman play ball, which was awesome. Tom Rathman's the best, man. We love talking with him and an awesome career for him. We'll wind down on Monday next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Monday. Tomorrow we will check in with Mitch Sherman. We'll talk with Coach Rick Kaczynski. We'll talk with Danny Woodhead. So uh, more uh, Super Bowl week. Many thanks to Tom Rathman and Jay Moore and Coach Charlie McBride. A reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckle up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You know, I, uh, I think uh, a lot about... The uh, the 49ers teams that went to Super Bowls, not only Montana and Rice, how awesome they were, but just that Nebraska backfield with Craig and Rathman and DuBose and Jamie Williams, Spider-Man. And we talked to Jamie Williams, uh, as he put it, was buying some new threads. This was the, the San Francisco Harbaugh Kaepernick Super Bowl versus Baltimore that Sam Cook a few years back when the Niners won the championship. And uh, Woodhead was in the uh, Super Bowl against the Giants that snapped New England's 
unbeaten season. Hold on a minute. Let's fast. This would have been Eli, excuse me, Eli's Super Bowl was was when Danny was playing ball for for the Patriots. But I love getting the perspective of Brady on Brady from from folks, even toenail painting uh, from from Tom Rathman. What a great story. That'll be posted ESPNLincoln.com. Also, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play for the podcast of today's Hail Varsity. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Give us some feedback. We love you for for tuning in. So I have a dilemma tonight. Uh, Junior and I are going to try and do steaks. Mm. So I can I can throw them in the oven and then reverse sear them with the uh, the cast iron skillet to sear them, and then like go Cheech and Chong in my living room slash kitchen since it's an open kitchen and smoke the joint out. I can't go outside to do it. I also have the option to grill with my air fryer, and I've done pork chops and I've done chicken on the the grill setting. They've been decent. It's not my grill grill, or even my smoker. But I think I'm going to try and roll the dice with the grill setting and air fry. I could just throw it in the toaster, I guess, <laughs> and, and, and go that route. But have you known anybody to, to grill setting air fry steak? No, no, that, that seems like a sin. I know, I know, I know. That's why, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up. That's why I'm bringing it up to you. I bounce grilling and steak stuff off of you. If you're going to do it, I wouldn't. I've done pork chop. I did a pork chop last week. See, I, I am curious. I am curious as to result. If you do it, you're going to have to like send me a picture, but I think... No, I key, will. I mean, I, I get grill like markings. I think the key, because you're not going to be actually getting like the, the grill grease right yeah the the the, just the grill has its own essence yes so either i think you got to go with a real good like seasoning rub on there or totally going to or you can make a compound butter and then after you pull out the air fryer put throw the the, stick of compound butter butter on there and that'll just kind of yeah i i think i have a beef rub seasoning or just some straight up cajun Mm -hmm. to blacken it i might i might have to just smoke out the entire living room and just just reverse sear it All right, tomorrow, more football. Take care. Thanks.